It is our thoughts that power positive thinking. It is our thoughts that power fearful thinking. Thoughts are everything. And it takes some time for the illusions to catch up. Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing last week's spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo fellow adventurers, happy Monday. Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up where I answer your questions to help put some traction beneath your feet when it comes to understanding metaphysics, the underlying philosophy and science upon which all physical sciences reside. All right, today's question is kind of a carryover from the topic of last week where we were talking about is an illness ever just an illness? Does everything arise from our thoughts based on our understandings and our misunderstandings? And therefore, when the things arise that are unpleasant, is that a function of being out of alignment with truth? And the answer was 99.99% of the time, yes. It's always because we're out of alignment with, with, with truth when we encounter the difficult and the unpleasant. But I also said, don't overread into it. Well, then this amazing question came. I've danced around it in earlier tune-ups. Mike, what about babies and birth defects? Yo, this is a great question. I totally believe that there is no question that shouldn't be asked that every unanswered question is a portal through which your power ebbs away from you. Ask the big questions, ask the hard questions. It is astounding what you can attract in terms of insight and knowledge. Um, much of what I share uh, was inspired by things I've read in my life. I give attribution when that's relevant. But more than that, I'm able to confirm what I read through my own deductive reasoning and going within. And anybody can do this. I highly urge you to do this. So what I'm about to share is significantly my own deductions, observations, being aligned with truth to the best of my ability, knowing that we're eternal beings. Um, but some confirmation as well that I'll clue you in on in just a moment. Um, to answer the question about a child or a baby with birth defects. I mean, nothing is gonna put a smiley face on that. Um, but we didn't come here just for smiley faces. We came from a place of unending smiley faces and we saw down here the lions and tigers and bears and the possibility for adventure and discovery. And we said, sign me up. And if I scrape my shin or if I slip and fall down, you know, it's all gonna be for my greater growth and glory. And so it's from that perspective that we have to choose uh, how we see time and space to be able to come with 
up with any kind of clarity on like why would a child have cancer or in this this questioner asked about scoliosis or other birth defects that just seem to seem to have no redeeming qualities we have to realize we are of god by god pure god that we rest uh in eternity and we rested in eternity uh forever prior to this lifetime and when we're done we go back forever where there's nothing but smiley faces but it is from that perspective that we realize a lifetime is just a lifetime which does not is not an intention to detract from the magnificence the power and the beauty and the majesty of every lifetime but it is just a lifetime and don't think wow you know somebody who is born with a, a defect could never know so many things that someone who wasn't born with a defect knows. In the scheme of things, we all know everything. We've all come back, men, male, female, uh, perfect bodies, broken bodies. Uh, why? For what the gifts would impart. But first off, we have to realize a lifetime is, is, is in a sense just a lifetime because we get to do so much more in other experiences, other realms, other probabilities, parallel universes, on and on and on. So it's like a, a lifetime is a blink to the soul, others have said, just a blink in eternity. And so you can imagine that you wouldn't want every single blink if you were to adventure into the jungles of time and space for you to be born in Beverly Hills 90210 with a silver spoon in your mouth. You'd be like, I want to know how other people live. I don't want to have this nonstop guidance from people who adore me. I want to put my own legs under myself and I want to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I want to discover my power uh, in the shortest, quickest way possible and not have other people so pandering and fawning all over me. Just a hypothetical. To answer one of the deepest questions about this, given the topic last week, that most, almost all unpleasantries uh, arise from spiritual misunderstandings, not being aligned with truth. That is not the case with babies or children who had no time to be confused in this incarnation. Between lifetimes, there's always guides and love and infinite possibilities and each of us chooses meticulously we we craft it meticulously what our next adventure will be based on the lessons we want to learn the fun we want to have the friends we want to make the people we want to reconnect with and so a lifetime that begins with the birth defect uh, is in no way shape or form born of misunderstandings nor is it a punishment Never would it be part of karma unless the individual through guidance and their own wisdom and the love in their heart said, I want to try that out because I have no idea what it's like to experience that. Now, we don't have to all experience a birth defect or blindness or we don't. Every life is different. Every example of scoliosis would stem from different choices, different rationale, different ambitions um, driving the person who would have chosen those things. Um, I also want to kind of make clear that when there is such a thing as a birth defect uh, that obviously will affect a great number of people besides the baby born with it, the parents significantly, siblings, uh, community, the world at large, 
every single person affected by an individual who arrives with a birth defect was part of the co-creation of it and wanted to be part of the experience, whether the baby itself let me play that role or the father or the mother or the sibling or the community. Let me be aware of this child. Let this manifestation trigger things in me that would never have been triggered otherwise. Um, it is like a sacred agreement. Every birth is, including those where there are birth defects. And everyone affected said, yes, I want to be part of the magic and miracles of this lifetime. Um, nobody would be a martyr. Nobody would say, well, I don't really want to do that, but for your sake, I will. No, not at a spiritual level where lifetimes are chosen. Nobody needs martyrs. Nobody needs, um, you know, you, we can come up with a long list of tangents as to why somebody might do it other than joy. It's all done for joy. And while you can point to exceptions where it just seems to be a miserable case and a miserable condition, and maybe they died six days after they were born or after six painful years of living, there would always be love and order, perfection and healing. Maybe not physical healing of that body, but healing of the psyche, healing of the, um, the energy of all involved. There is only love. There is only beauty. There is only order. There is only perfection. And it means nothing that we might not be able to see that or understand that from within these jungles of time and space. Everything would be about love and everyone would want to be part of this sacred pact where everyone would have a chance to learn and experience things that were not otherwise possible. Um, the question for everyone curious about a situation in their lifetime, whether they are afflicted with a birth defect or not, is what does this make possible? What does this make possible? Everyone, if you're the father, if you're the daughter, if you're the, not the daughter, if you're the siblings, if you're the community, what, and this ought to be asked for every single thing in our lives that taunts us, that puzzles us, that breaks our heart, um, that thrills us, that excites us, that fills us with joy, what does this make possible? And if the answer is just joy right away, I mean, you might not ask that question at every turn in your life, but certainly for the challenging situations, what does this make possible? And very often, you will know immediately what it makes possible. Sometimes it's quite likely that you will not know what it's making possible, but that doesn't mean it's not making it possible and that your life isn't benefiting by this. And one day that'll make perfect sense. In the worst case, there may be total confusion on your part why something has happened in your life or the life of a loved one, but you can still always discern and realize that this thing playing out in the heart of God is for greater reasons than you can now fathom, that you will one day fathom so that you can't fathom it now, at least realize all is supremely well. It'll make sense. You're growing. Everyone's growing. There's love and order, and we still have forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And at that point, we'll still have eternity. So put it in perspective. That's not going to put a smiley face on it. Um, to give some quick examples of what does this make possible, very clearly, 
we know stories of the blind person who, because of their blindness, um, has been able to enhance or relish and enjoy other faculties, perhaps like hearing or inner senses that would not have been enhanced had it not been for the blindness. So accentuating other faculties, talents, and gifts would always be part of the equation, not just for the person with the birth defect, but for the witnesses, the parents, the community, who will undoubtedly know compassion and patience, sympathy, empathy, uh, as well as perhaps some unexpected things. Maybe they're gonna be more creative. Maybe they will have other faculties that are accentuated because they're in a, a care provider situation. The list of possibilities is endless. And again, whether or not you can pin the tail on the donkey doesn't mean enormous objectives aren't being met. They always are. It's all playing out in the heart of God. A little side note, uh, I, am, I am often uh, referencing the Seth material by Jane Roberts. I highly recommend it. It has helped um, solidify and clarify some of my own abstract uh, ideas and conclusions and gone way beyond what I could have done on my own, I feel, in this lifetime. But Seth says, when speaking to uh, choosing lifetimes and the many, many thousands, tens of thousands of lifetimes that most of us live, you know, I'm putting words to something that, that really isn't as objective as we tend to think it is, reincarnation, but we do the best we can. And Seth said, um, contrary to your expectations, um, it's not as if everyone would want to choose to be really hot and good looking and really popular and really loved and with a lot of, you know, parents with a lot of money, as I alluded to earlier in this tune-up. To the contrary, most would not choose to be you know, always good looking and always wealthy or even frequently or even the majority of the time. Can you imagine that? From that perspective, it would make sense. And Seth went on to say, one of the reasons is we learn a lot more about things we want to learn about. You don't have to learn anything and tests are not given. We learn a lot more about life, reality, ourselves. When people aren't kind of bouncing off the walls trying to take advantage of us because of our good looks. And typically, not always, typically a very good looking person will have an easier life with less challenges and learn less. Uh, this, is, this is certainly not always the case. Um, and people who don't have that kind of a perk, uh, good looking and whatever, um, will have to rely on and go dig deep inside of themselves to compensate, learn more, find their power, discover creativity, rock the world. I mean, there's a zillion gradations and shades to all of this. This does not mean that every good looking person has an easy life. This does not mean that every ugly person um, has, uh, has learned the most. Um, anybody can do anything in any life. But that just gives you an idea that with a little thought, you can see, look, I just had 9,200 lifetimes where I was just drop-dead gorgeous. I wonder what it would be like if I wasn't drop-dead gorgeous. You know, I, I would develop in ways otherwise impossible. Let's give it a shot. Boo, there's going to be love everywhere. Why not? Last point I want to make. 
because somebody has a birth defect or somebody in their life breaks their leg or stubs their toe, of course, while there's order, purpose, and meaning behind it, this never is to imply don't do anything about it. You know, if somebody is born with a birth defect and maybe some, maybe some surgery or medication or whatever can help eradicate it, cure it, correct it, then perhaps that journey into options, healing, hospitals, doctors, etc. Perhaps that was part of the order initially anticipated and therefore is what part of the motivation the birth defect was to impart. A journey into, um, you know, correction. Uh, that's not a very good word. Into healing. So just because you're born with something doesn't mean you have to, to, to put up with it. Uh, in many cases. In some cases, obviously, uh, you're not going to grow a new arm, according to Seth and other folks. So anyway, tough question. Thanks for indulging me and letting me uh, take a stab at it. Jumbo fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Your awesome question today. Mike Buddha said attachment is suffering. But then how do we dream and have high expectations without it being an attachment to an ideal or a future vision? Hey, good question, because Buddha was on to some really good stuff. Um, whenever we use words to describe truth, they almost always slip and slide, and there's always the risk of total failure. And this pertains to the question right now, there, the underlying perspective is everything because absolutely attachment is suffering, but absolutely insistence is not. Oh my gosh. It depends on what you're attaching to. It depends on what you're insisting on. Um, and here, let me, let me share with you how this wise sentiment from Buddha was echoed through the ages, or perhaps he was the echo. Although when one is speaking of truth, even though words slip and fail, it's going to start sounding similar in different corners of the world. Didn't, wasn't it said perhaps by Jesus, um, to die and be born again, die to what die to the illusions, not die to Jesus is your savior. That is the misunderstanding. It is died to the illusions that tripped up Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, like we were talking about just the other day, thinking that life uh, is something we need to react to instead of realizing we're creating it and streaming it into place right now. Die to the illusions, because if you're basing your decisions off of time, space, and matter, not realizing that they are your projections, you're going to be like the dog chasing your tail. It's you're not going anywhere quickly. So here is what it all boils down to. And this also, like I've been harping the last 10 days, um, is at the crux of the hook of life. Okay, understanding that when we want to create change, create it here in thought. It is our thoughts that power positive thinking. It is our thoughts that power fearful thinking. Thoughts are everything. And it takes some time for the illusions to catch up. And if you looked 
as I shared in my book, Infinite Possibilities, if, if you wanted to change your appearance in the mirror in the morning, do you put your shaving cream or your makeup on the reflection you see in the glass in the mirror? No, you go to the source. You put it on your actual self and then the mirror picks it up and sends it back. Okay, a granted, a mirror is simultaneous. But when we try to adjust our lives through micromanaging, and this is the, this is the heart, through micromanaging um, circumstances, certain people, how our dreams are going to come true, when they're going to come true, where they're going to come true. When we start trying to micromanage the illusions without realizing what the trends are for 8 billion other co-creators, without realizing what our other 50,000 thoughts are a day, it always goes sideways eventually. More often than not, your desired micromanaged dreams will go sideways. And that's putting it kindly. All right, you're going down if you're trying to micromanage the illusions. But if you go to their source and you realize what you're after is joy, happiness, love, adventure, camaraderie, fulfillment, creativity, those are the values that you have license to attach to and insist upon. In fact, it's your job. What is your preference? Where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? And of course, you don't have to have dreams in that sense. You can surrender, which means allow life to happen and just surf the wave that shows up. But you're entitled as a spark of the divine to have your preferences to have your druthers and to say, I want more money. I want more friends. I want to write another book. I want to create XYZ. I want to travel to Timbuktu, Constantinople. This is your right. And you can insist and demand and hold out your cup until it is overflowing. But if you think you're going to wrangle all the details that will get you to Constantinople or that will bring a million dollars in your life, sometimes it works. Are you okay with sometimes? I didn't think so. If you want all the time, if you want all the time, go to Abundance, General Broadbrush, Love, Friends, Healing, Health, Recovery, Harmony, Fulfillment. You can have all of those. And the, the ultimate? Joy. I want joy and I will settle for nothing less than joy and I'm going to choose joy right now and every decision I make from this day forward is going to be about more joy. The universe, God, your higher self is like, oh crap, Mike is serious this time. And the only way Mike's going to be really that joyful is if Mike's healthy and if Mike has money and if Mike has friends and knowing Mike, he's got to be creative and knowing Mike, he's going to want to travel a little bit. The universe knows you better than you know yourself. The old biblical adage, before you even ask. You don't even have to ask, but go ahead. It helps to clarify things in your own mind. The universe is like all over it. This is why with trust, you don't even have to have goals and your life is going to blow your mind with serendipities, manifestations, wealth and abundance, everything, because you're going to be following your heart, having a good time. But if you have priorities, there's nothing wrong with that. If you have preferences, nothing wrong with that. If you want money now, 
Okay. Now, okay, you're going to have to give it to the universe's time frame. It knows ASAP. But what I'm describing here is that we have license and it is our job, your highest responsibility, to focus on where you want transformation. You've got to decide, okay? Keep it broad brush. Insist on these big picture values and then turn over all the details, the illusions. That's what Buddha was talking about. Die to the illusions as reality. <clears throat> um, and, and then allow things to start showing up. So attachment is suffering when your attachment is to time, space, matter, and other things in a micromanaged sense. But you're here and you're a thing and you're allowed to luxuriate in these illusions. But to get them into your camp, attached to broad brush elements like happiness, fulfillment, creativity, camaraderie, service, and joy above all. So it's pretty, pretty simple. Um, I've talked to some other points like this earlier. If you want to look up in the archives in Facebook, there's over 300 earlier tune-ups, the same in Instagram and in YouTube. There's one spiritual tune-up that speaks to comparing surrendering to giving up. Surrendering is allowing these micromanaged illusions to show up in the right time. You're not being passive if you surrender. You have a dream. You're choosing joy. You're taking action. Surrender to what shows up. That doesn't mean settle for less. Surrender to how your big picture dream will show up is the meaning there. As opposed to giving up, that's closing a door. Surrender is allowing, giving up is closing a door. There is a tune-up on that. All right, go Buddha fans, go Jesus fans, go life and love fans. Jumbo fellow adventurers, time for a spiritual tune-up with a really awesome question. Coping with the hardships of loved ones and strangers. Yesterday, I posed a really similar question, really great question about, you know, Mike, when things are going so well in our own lives, how do we help those that we love who are struggling so much? How deeply should we be involved? How much should we let them learn their lessons? And then another question uh, came just from one of you all uh, a few days ago. Mike, can you please address homelessness? Uh, in the very same spirit, my answer is this. And at first, it might feel like I'm being insensitive, but please hear me out. You know, words slip and fail when applied to truth, uh, particularly when they have to be shared one at a time on a linear timeline. I wish I could share five concepts at once to paint a full picture, but, but here we go. <clears throat> These sacred jungles of time and space are where we chose to forget who we really are so that we could remember who we really are and in the remembering be more than who we were before we forgot. I often like to ask what's better than getting to the top of the mountain in that victory dance and partying with the gods, if you will. What's better than that? Being at the top of the mountain? Getting there after first having been lost. So lost, it seemed that all possibilities were over. 
that you might never, ever, ever get there. And then suddenly, because you persevered and you're on the top of the mountain, oh my God, happy tears for years and years and years. You prevailed. It works. There's so much love. Hallelujah. And it's that much sweeter because you were lost earlier. Now, this doesn't mean you have to suffer to know joy, okay? That's a, a misunderstanding in the lessons of contrast. But when we descended from a higher vibration, if you will, into these uh, the, this Garden of Eden, we knew we'd be learning lessons and we knew that we'd be bathed in love and we knew that at every turn we'd be helped if we could open ourselves up to that. Meaning we did not have to have our heart dragged through the coals, but sometimes we saw the possibility that might happen. But there's always healing, order, and mending. So, those who are going through a really hard time, whether they're in your family or they're an unknown stranger, a homeless person on the street, are going through their own sacred baptism. You went through it. That's how you got here. That's how you have progressed so far. That's why you're listening to metaphysical ideas on the nature of reality and you're not in their shoes this moment. Because you've paid the price in some forgotten lifetime or in this lifetime, and maybe you remember it very well. And you persevered, you went through it, you came out on the other side, and the beauty, the glory, oh my gosh, and that doesn't mean the lessons are over, we all know that so well. Lessons that we chose and that we want to learn. But because you ran the gauntlet, and only because you ran the gauntlet, and you did it yourself, nobody could have done it for you. You emerged into this place of greater order, more clarity, bathed in truth, feeling love, that those we see having a hard time in this moment are not experiencing. They are going through what you went through. Let them go through it. Nothing will heal them faster than creating their own reality to ultimately find out what works and what doesn't work. And it's only being in alignment with truth and asking the hard questions that you've asked and had answers that have brought you to this place. Now, what I would like to say simultaneous to that, because that oft, that can sound so bitterly cold and, uh, and insensitive. Um, this doesn't mean that you can't be there in love. This doesn't mean that you can't be available to them. This doesn't mean that you can't hold their hands or pick them up or dry their tears. You can, but think not that you're going to be able to remove the burdens that they carry. Nothing could be worse for them. Nothing could be worse for you. You just want to be there. Oh my goodness. The ice cream truck is here probably, you know. Nothing could be worse for either of you than to pretend this isn't happening, to say that it's not fair. Circumstances might not be fair, but life is always fair. Or put it this way, life is fair even when circumstances are not. And that's being kind. Circumstances are fair too, but sometimes we just can't see it and it's too insulting to say that the violation is fair. Um, that takes it out of context. So anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, no one can learn their lessons for them. No one learned yours for you, but you can still be there. You can still love them. You can be patient. Uh, you can't learn their lessons for them, but you can be there. And that will make all the difference in their journey, knowing that they're not alone. And the last thing I wanted to impart here is to share with you that 
as Khalil Gibran said, it does no good to limp before the crippled. You know, that's not empathy. That's naivety. To feel so sorry for them in their sadness that you lower yourself and feign sadness because then you'll only become sad. Okay, the best thing you can do as a shining light for the entire world, including those at home and strangers in the street, is to be happy. Not fake, not inauthentic, but follow your dreams, be led by your heart, steer with your mind, follow your bliss, um, and live the greatest, most joyful life possible. Because in seeing you do this, even while they may be chagrined, even while it may sting in their lostness to see you have found such clarity, it will also give them a leg up. It will show them what's possible for them as well. So continue to love your life, to, to play, to dance, to share, be available, and they're going to be just fine, okay? None of us uh, has any problems that are bigger than who we are. We are the creator of all we experience. Therefore, we are the greater. We are the creator of all we experience, and therefore, we are the greater. And this is true of them, and this is what they're learning right now. Could you not be more excited for them? Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, happy Thursday. Thoughts become things. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Is agreeing just to keep the peace a trauma response? This was asked about a week, two weeks ago, and a whole bunch of you uh, tagged on, thumbs up, also indicated you wanted an answer to this question. Uh, I got to say, I so appreciate woman and the the female audience that probably most metaphysical teachers have um I, I joke that it's you know thoughts become things my thoughts becoming things that gives me this amazing audience um and one of the things that's most amazing about having a female audience is you get these heart-centered questions where they're trying to balance their needs with their loves their desires guys don't usually do that guys are bulldozers <clears throat> So uh, my heart and gratitude to all the women out there who ask amazing, touching questions like this. Um, it's a fine line that you're walking, I know. Uh, and uh, well, I want to help you with that a little bit here. But I have to tell you right off the bat, this is not clearly a yes all the time answer or a no all the time answer. Um, it is absolutely a trauma response most of the time. Um, a big yes, uh, it is fear of losing control. But what have you done in your fear of losing control through agreeing, but losing control? You have lost control is what I'm saying. If you agree just to keep the peace yet. On the other side of the equation, the answer could well be a no. There is a time and a place for strategy, um, juggling priorities, uh, or as they say, this sounds so awful, but you'll get what I'm saying, picking your battles. 
Now, this is not about a battle, and this is not about an overall strategy to win the war, because if you've got a war going on, nobody's winning. But there is a time to bite your tongue. Uh, there is a time to uh, want to get along more than want to be right. And I think in our day and age, given the role of women and uh, the arrogance of men, um, we have, women have been kept quiet far, far too long. And so there is this innate natural need to compensate that has pushed itself into overcompensation by saying, speak up, speak up. And it's like, yes, it is about time. You are needed. Your voice, your opinion, your perspectives are desperately needed. Look what's going on in the world. Everything that's not quite right, that's, that's the doing of men. Um, and so please, women, speak up more often. But in this rush to make right what has been wrong, there could easily be, and this is a fine line that you have to walk, uh, a, an imbalanced, disproportionate response, like, I need to be heard, heard all of the time, when in fact, due to priorities, due to um, a desire to keep peace, because of the love in your heart. And the same goes for men. There are a few men out there who struggle with the same exact kind of um, situation that women are in right now. Speak and be heard. Uh, otherwise, it'll build resentment or hold your peace. There is a place for strategy here. And not a strategy to win the war, but a strategy for your own peace. Because short term, you're going to feel a lot better if you speak up. But that's not necessarily always going to play to your advantage long term. Um, the virtues have been enumerated lots in the past four, five, six decades of the need to be heard. And the world needs you to be heard. But at the same time, please measure it. Uh, keeping into consideration short, medium, and long-term objectives the long-term objective always is joy, happiness, a balance, being heard, and listening. And even if you're a good listener, we can, we can still celebrate that quality that women so amazingly possess um, and, and not push it under the carpet or not deny it. It does have a place. But the bottom line is nine times out of ten, um, it is important to be vocal, to be heard in the right way at the right time, to make your case, to place your vote, um, and not give your power away by agreeing simply and only to avoid conflict. That is a trauma response. So thanks so much for the great question that normally a guy wouldn't think of speaking to, like me. Um, and thanks to all who echoed the importance of that question. Thanks to all of you, male, female, um, and everything else, uh, LGBTQ, and uh, I'm trying to catch up to all of that. We're all here on a sacred pilgrimage to understand who we are, to shine our light as brightly as we possibly can, to live in joy. And your joy will be the world's joy.
Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley. Time for a Fry-Yay spiritual tune-up. Awesome question. How to keep confident when treated unfairly. And sometimes the person who treats us most unfairly is ourselves. So no matter who it is, uh, I've got four little bits of advice to help kick off your weekend in a grand style, total clarity, anchored in truth, because truth is the elixir of life, the soothing tonic that brings about joy, possibilities, and wild prosperity. All right, four things. One of the things that can hurt the most when someone else, in this case, um, treats us unfairly um, is the idea that perhaps others, the world, the universe, misunderstand you. The world, the universe, and other people know the truth. And when somebody comes off half-cocked and they're treating you unkindly, everyone knows. Even if they agree with that person, even if they're nodding with that person, even if they're standing behind that person like, yeah, that's what you deserve, they know the truth. They know you're doing your best. They know that you're a God particle here to thrive and for whatever reason in their agenda and their confusion, they're wanting to take a little bit away from you because it's going to make them a little bit stronger. The first point I want to make is everybody knows the truth. Okay, so fear not that somebody's going to whitewash your brilliance and point you out as inferior or incomplete and fool other folks. Nobody's fooled. Everybody, your kids, your parents, your coworkers, your neighbors, knows the truth of your awesomeness and beauty. Number two, life is a journey. Focus on the journey, not circumstances. Circumstances are fleeting. Circumstances are often lies. Circumstances is the dance of illusions based on thoughts, dreams, and fears. So whatever shows up, while it has meaning, and we are all co-creators of what shows up, it is not reality. It is a snapshot, um, a selfie of your state of mind or the collective state of mind of what's being experienced. Focus on the journey. Focus on your purpose. Focus on your essence. Focus on where you're going, the end result. There's so many amazing things to focus on other than these circumstances that are so fleeting and in the scheme of things, utterly unimportant. The conversation, the bad mood, the grouchy boss, whoever it is, don't give it weight. Don't give it energy. And similar to this second point, you've got so much going on for you. You are hot, amazing, fun, and fantastic. Celebrate your awesomeness. Focus on who you really are. You see things that no one in the world has ever seen. You hear things and you feel things with your heart that are irreplaceable. You are why God wanted to be you because of this window on reality. So while you're focusing on the journey and your destination and the purpose and the beauty and your power, focus on who you already are. Oh my God, and where you've already been. Totally crazy, awesome and all you already have. There are folks who would give their front teeth and right arm to walk in your shoes for a week. And number four, this one, you know, I gotta, gotta play it both ways, gotta make you really think, 
got to call you to a higher place. This one here, listen, feel. What showed up? Go to the, go to a deeper level with it. When somebody says something and you heard it, there's meaning in that. Go to that meaning. Why did that show up? Why were they being critical? Why did they go and act unjustly and or unfairly? I am not saying they're right. But I am saying that you became aware of it, that it was in your realm, in your sphere, that you heard those words, you saw that behavior. That has meaning. Maybe, just maybe, 2% of the time, you can bring your game up. Thanks to that person who offered some criticism, which maybe seemed unfair, but held a valid perspective. Are you big enough to go there? I know you are. Don't just slough it off and don't, like yesterday's talk, don't um, just agree to keep the peace. But internalize what that person said. Maybe, maybe the 98% of the time when it was totally baloney, maybe you were witness or um, within earshot to help you believe in yourself more, to take that falsity, that baloney, that lie that they wanted to put on you to take your power away. You wanted to let that toughen your armor. You're not vulnerable. You can hear criticism. You can decide whether or not there's some way or somehow to grow from what you heard. Maybe because it's true. Maybe because it's not true. And or maybe it was just kind of you putting yourself in the place to see if you've thickened your skin enough so that you can withstand um, immature souls who are trying to gain power by stealing it from you. That might be why you heard it. But if you heard it, as a note from the universe once said, there's never been anything uttered that you have been a participant to, a witness of, or an ear to, that didn't have meaning for the person who heard it. Again, that doesn't mean what you heard was true. It might be true. There might, but no matter what, there's something for you to learn. To love yourself more, to disregard those ding-dongs more, um, or to internalize and level up 2% of the time. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!